This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Well, this is the first show back after the big Halloween show. Uh, I didn't do anything last weekend because, uh, well, a lot of work on hand, a couple of art projects I needed to get done, getting stuff ready for winter, you know, raking my dad's yard and taking care of the leaves over at our yard and stuff. And it just, you know, so. And I know I I I, I know I've mentioned this a couple of times. The idea might be that I'll be taking a week off each month just to give myself a weekend where I don't, you know, don't have to worry so much about doing a show. But I don't know. But it has been working out that way lately, hasn't it? So, okay. Um, so the Halloween wrap-up. Now, as you recall, on the last show that I did, uh, just prior to the Halloween, uh, it was talking about getting everything ready and decorations that we have, and the really two, the two new ones that are really cool. That projection thing that they kind of move around, they look like a ghost and the spooky tree thing. Uh, I got that set up, and I was all ready to go. I had gotten a bunch of candy. Uh, because in uh, Halloween from 2020 was not to, to say it was underwhelming is kind of underselling. It was pretty. It was pretty badly off. Uh, normally, and I think I've said this last time. Normally on Halloween, we get anywhere from 70 to maybe 120 kids. Uh, that's that's a normal Halloween for us, and we've been in this house for over 20 years now, and uh, that's just how it's been. But last year height of the uh, pandemic and COVID is still a thing y'all but it was pretty big then and people were trying to figure out how can we give out candy in a safe way there's somebody that we knew that uh, their house is up on a hill and there's a little there's a stairs that heads up and they have a like a like a railing and they put some PVC pipe uh, attached to that railing and so the person giving out the candy would stand at the top of the hill and just slide the candy through the pipe into the person's bag or bucket or whatever, into the kid's, you know, the kitty's treat thing. Uh, I, and, and so that's that's how they made their way around to be safe. But we just, we got 11 kids. 11 kids showed up on, on Halloween in 2020. Well, this year, and again, like, as I just said, you know, COVID is still a thing, y'all. The pandemic isn't quite gone. And here in Minnesota, our case levels are kind of disturbing and uh, disturbingly high. Uh, but uh, people are sort of returning to normal. So we we thought that this Halloween was going to be big. 
that it was going to be a reaction from last year. Well, we, we got cheated out of last year. We're going for it this year. My sister had said as much just before Halloween, and, I, and when she she and I were talking about it, and I said, you know, that's a, you're right. I better get more candy. So I went out and bought a couple more bags of candy. We got a ton of candy. Well, not literally a ton, but lots of candy. And uh, now we don't do the full candy bar kind of thing. We're not, you know, we're not rich, but we do uh, we do give out, uh, you know, the fun size candy bars and, and such. Uh, and what we'll do is we'll give, I, I hand out at least three or four pieces to each kid. I just grab a little handful and throw them into their, their buckets and bags and such. And so I, you know, so we're maybe not giving out full candy bars, but at least we're giving out several pieces of candy. They're not just getting one little, one little thing of uh, Smarties, which I like Smarties. But uh, no, they get a they get a Milky Way bar and a and a Three Musketeer bar and a little box of Nerds. Boom! There you go. You got three three little things, and maybe they get a fourth thing. One kid came with a with a uh, pillowcase, and I said, "Whoa, dude's got a pillowcase! All right, you get an extra piece for the pillowcase," because that's the way I did it when I was a kid. P pillowcase. Uh, anyway, so we were, I was anticipating. That I, that my sister was going to be right. That we were going to be hit with a, with a huge wave. Well, <laughs> uh, the first kid showed up at uh, about ten minutes after six. I had everything set up, ready to go. It was a little girl. Her dad was walking her around, and so I gave her a few pieces of candy and said, "Hey, happy Halloween, have fun, and all that." And the last of the kids that came by was at twenty minutes to eight. But I waited another 20 minutes. I waited until 8 o'clock. I figured, well, we ain't got any kids coming by 8 o'clock. Any more kids? Then we're done. I'm shutting it down. So that's what I did. I shut it down at 8 o'clock. The total number of kids we got was 23. So we doubled what we did last year. We, didn't, we more than doubled what we did last year. But 23. Oh, I felt so disappointed. And I'll tell you something else. I'm pretty sure the last three kids to come through that came through as a group were among the the previous 20 kids that came through. They were two-timers. And you know something? I don't care. <laughs> they're going in the total. I gave candy to them, so they're going in the total. If you want to put an asterisk next to the 23 in your when you're keeping track at home of how many kids we get each Halloween here, well, you go right ahead and do so. And it's it's strange. I I, I mean I didn't I, I know I got the numbers written around somewhere, but I don't I, I, I didn't I didn't look for them. Sorry, it just I couldn't be bothered. Uh, but I didn't find the numbers for what we did in Halloween 2019. But I think it was around 70 or so. It was around that number. So this is a precipitous drop over the last two years now. Pan, you know, pandemic being the first year, could it be an explanation for the the second year now? Could it be that the pandemic is still something, and parents are still not comfortable with putting sending their kids out, going door to door, and risking getting the COVID? Could it be that? It maybe, or maybe our neighborhood is aging out. We don't have as many kids around here as we used to. Because I can remember bringing when Hayden was trick or treating age, we'd bring him out around and there'd be lots of kids around but of course we were getting more kids at the house at the same time because we would trade off years one year amy would take hayden out 
uh, for the trick or treat, and the next year I would do it, and then one of us would stay back to give out candy to the kids coming through because we, you know, you know, cheat the kids out of some candy. But it was just, and it's, it's, I guess it's changed. And then I, and, and while this was, while nothing was going on, on Halloween, I, I kept going outside and looking up and down the block, and I, and maybe from uh, the vantage point of where our house is, we can see a total of uh, about. 20 or 25 houses or something like that and only about seven or eight that's including our house had their lights on to indicate that we're giving out candy the rest of them were dark and i thought i don't know yeah it's maybe we just aren't that uh, aren't that appealing my sister now we were uh, my my siblings my older brother bob my sister who's older than me then there's me and then there's my younger brother steve uh and my sister's name is nancy uh, the, the 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 three of us have a a group texting chat going on. Uh, you, it was it, we established it when you know to keep tabs on what's going on with mom and dad, so everybody can know what's happening. It, really, for me to tell everybody what's happening with my with our parents, because I'm the closest one there. So if there's something immediate happening, uh, they get the word from me. Anyway, so, uh, but but we're also talking about other things in there on occasion. And we were talking about the Halloweens. Well, how's your turnout going? How's your turnout? Well, my younger brother was saying, uh, I hate to say it, but I'm getting lots of kids. Because <laughs> he didn't want to make me feel bad because we weren't getting that many kids. And my sister said she was doing fairly well. And my older brother was doing really well. And so... Uh, so we ended up with the Amy and I. We ended up with 23 kids. My sister, she figured it was about 50. My younger brother said 92 kids came through to his house, and my older brother was saying he lost count after 100. Now, he said he had a neighbor that had uh, a really you know done up yard for the Halloween thing. In fact, he said it was such a such a big deal that for like the week leading up to Halloween. Cars would be lined up in that on his street there in the evenings just to drive by and take a look at the setup because it was, I guess, a quite impressive setup. So he benefited from that, I suppose. And my younger brother, he does up his yard pretty, pretty big too. He's got inflatable things and he's got stuff that lights up and moves and makes sounds and he's got tombstones around and little fence and all sorts of characters and skulls and scary stuff. It, he, he really does it up. So, and apparently he's in a neighborhood uh, that gets, it has a lot of kids. Um, so, but at least I got this to fall back on. My parents, uh, who have since 1973, when they moved into the house they currently you know, live in, that they still live in, that, that, that I grew up in and now live a mile away. They've never gotten lots of kids for Halloween. Never. Even when we were kids and there was a lot of kids in the neighborhood, they just never did because I'm not exactly sure, but I think it had something to do with an empty lot across the street. It's not empty anymore. A bunch of senior living bungalows are down there now. But it's just, I guess it's just not an enticing block to go down to get candy because, well, with an empty lot there, it might be dangerous. And then, you know, there's not as many houses and all this kind of stuff. But for whatever reason... They didn't get lots of kids. So this year, this last Halloween, Dad said they got zero. Nobody showed up. So, got that going. 
maybe next year, maybe when the the five to eleven year olds all start getting vaccinated because it's been approved and and it seems like at least here in Minnesota that uh, that parents are they want the, those kids to get vaccinated, and so we'll see what happens to them. Uh, speaking of vaccination, I got my booster. Had that happen? Uh, it was pretty pretty simple. Just uh, went onto the Walgreens website, just signed up to get an appointment, and I had it. So uh, I went in. It would be a week ago Wednesday, this past Wednesday. It'd be a week before that uh, that I got the got the booster. So I, I I get there at my appointed time, and they they start to set me up. And there's uh, there's a woman that's getting all the information entered in on the computer, and it's taking a while. And she's being apologetic. I'm sorry, it's taking so long. I said, no, 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 no problem, no worries. Um, and so that got cleared. I filled out some paperwork, and then I sat down, and and another woman comes out and gives me the shot. And then this happened. Now, I, I can't remember if it happened just before I got the shot or just after I got the shot. I think it was probably just after. But she was, you know, got it. And uh, the lights went out in the store. Now, I don't know if it was the whole store or if it's just a little area of the store, of the Walgreens. But the lights went out for a second. I mean, they were, they were off, on, like that. It's just like, okay. And I made some comment about, I mean, somebody, somebody must have leaned against the light switch or something. And the gal that gave me the shot, her eyes went wide open. And she had this look of, of worry. And she turned around and she looked behind the counter to the pharmacy section. They had a whole bunch of people. They had pharmacists and assistants all working back there. Like half a dozen people working away. And, and she just looked back at them. And then I, you know, I think I made my joke then about somebody hitting accidentally turning off the switch. And she said, oh, no. She said, uh, two months ago, she told me this, two months ago, they had the power go out in the store. And uh, then, the, and I guess the power stayed out for a little while. And they lost all the vaccines, the flu vaccines, the COVID vaccines, because they just, they, they, they weren't, they got too warm. And you couldn't, couldn't give them out. And so now at this point, they lost their phones in the store with this little just this little glitch the lights were back on i guess the registers were still working behind or started to work again behind the the reg the uh, the uh, uh the um pharmacist counter but the front registers weren't working their phone system wasn't working when they, when they had, they had a person at the drive-up window they had to open the the little drawer that goes out and speak through that because they couldn't use the phone <laughs> and and as i left the they had to pull the automatic doors, they, they had an employee just standing waiting for people inside the store that were leaving, and she'd pull the door open so that we could get out. And and there was a sign in there saying, power outage closed. <laughs> I thought, wow. My timing was good because I thought, because not that the shot would have gone bad for me, but if I was there and the, the woman that was entering all my information into the computer, if that had glitched out and she wasn't able to get that entered... I'd be like begging, well, look, I'm here, just give me the shot, just give me the shot. <laughs> but I'm boosted uh, for the COVID. And so, uh, in another week, it should be in that full effect. Just like the, just like when you get the first doses of it. Uh, if you got the Pfizer or the uh, Moderna, 
you know, the two doses, it you know, takes two weeks after the dose to get the, you know, to get it charged up. And so when you get that second dose, it takes two weeks before you're, you're considered fully vaccinated. Well, same thing with the booster. It's go two weeks and you're considered fully, fully boosted. So, and from what I've seen in the headlines, uh, Pfizer is, uh, has uh, requested of the FDA to get emergency use authorization to give the booster to everyone over the age of 18. Not just, you know, senior, you know, people that are 65 and older. They all get it if they want it. Uh, people between the ages of 18 or people 18 to 64, that's where I'm in. I'm in I'm that group. I'm closer to the 64 than I am to the 18. But uh, I'm in that group, and I have an underlying thing that's, that may make, if I get COVID, might make my, you know, it might be worse for me. Uh, and so I was eligible to get it. But what Pfizer wants to do is they want to get it to everybody that's 18, whether or not they have some other condition going on. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I kind of hope that happens, uh, that everybody can get it, because then we can set up our son. He can go in and he can get the booster, because he's 18. Well, let's see. Uh, before I go any further, let's hit my first break. And uh, I'll remind you that you're listening to Jimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. I'm Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I will return after this break. The streets are the future. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. If this station is not your cup of tea, then drink coffee! 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 Drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. But you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. When you cast your eyes upon the skylines of this once proud nation, can you sense the fear and the hatred growing in the hearts of its population? 
and welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, and I have, you know, speaking of COVID, I have a Dimland Radio Science Zero to talk about and a Dimland Radio Science Hero to talk about. The Zero is the, is the, is the athlete that is becoming known as Karen Rogers on the internets. They're calling him Karen Rogers. It's, it's Aaron Rogers, but you know the Karen thing, this whole Karen, you know, I want to speak to the manager kind of thing. But you know, sometimes you do want to speak to the manager. You know, it's not always a, you know, a, a, a bad thing for a customer to say, look, I want to talk to the manager. It's not always a bad thing, but you know, the, the Karen thing. Okay. Uh, Aaron Rogers, who is the star quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he's been MVP three times. That stands for Most Valuable Player for sports ballers out there that don't know that. Uh, he's uh, he's been he's got at least one Super Bowl win. He's a really good quarterback. I mean, he's really good. He's a leader on his team. He's really good, and he's a dipshit. He's an asshole. Uh, he decided he didn't want to get vaccinated, and instead of being forthright about it. Like uh, like the dipshit we have as the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Kirk Cousins, he didn't he wasn't upfront about it. He was coy. He didn't say that you know that he didn't get vaccinated. Didn't say anything about that. No no he he when asked directly if he's gotten the vaccine, he said I've been immunized. That's what he said. And it's a it's, so the league was treating it was allowing him to follow the the protocols, the COVID protocols, established by the NFL for players who have been vaccinated. So he would do interviews without wearing a mask. He would be around players, you know, when he was inactive, he's not going to play. He'd be standing on the sidelines. He's not wearing a mask. Now, if you're unvaccinated and you're an inactive player, you're not going to be playing that, that game. You know, like there's a preseason game or something like that. You're just, you might be in a uniform, but you're not going to play. You're just kind of standing on the sidelines. You have to wear a mask. The players have to wear a mask. It's 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 the policy. But no, Aaron Rodgers didn't do that. He acted as though he was he was vaccinated, and it turns out he wasn't. He got COVID, and then it came out that oh yeah, it wasn't a breakthrough case. He didn't get vaccinated. And then he of course consulted with uh, medical expert Joe Rogan. And of course, he took the ivermectin. I mean, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? I mean, they just there's. It's so fucking frustrating. Sorry to drop two f bombs there, but it's so frustrating. These people says, why don't you know better? Joe Rogan, I'll be fine. I'm fine. I'm healthy. I, I work out. I take vitamins. I eat right. I'm healthy. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So, so Aaron Rodgers saying the same thing. Well, I'll be fine. I'm fine. If I get it, I'll be fine. It's not about you. It's not just about you. We don't want you to get COVID. Of course, Joe Rogan got COVID. So did Aaron Rodgers. So how's that? I'm fine. It'll work for you know. I'll be you know. How's that working out? Well, sure. They'll get over it. They'll be. They'll move along. They, and and it'll have nothing to do with the ivermectin. It'll have nothing to do with the high zinc. T- doses they're taking, the vitamin C doses they're taking. It'll have nothing to do with that. They just got better. But they don't think about all the people they infected. 
What about them? And what about the people that, that uh, you know, Aaron, what about the people you infected? What about the people they infect? Somewhere down the line, someone's going to have an immu a compromised immune system. Someone's going to be hospitalized. Somebody's going to get in trouble. Nope, I'm fine. I'll be fine. I've been listening to my homeopathy <laughs> doctor, my homeopath. <gasps> put me on a regimen, a homeopathic regimen to boost my immune system. Oh, really? They put you on nothing, right? Because that's what homeopathy is. It's nothing. It's just water. Now, I know I've talked about this before, but that's, that's exactly what it is. It's just water. You could take the most potent poison in the world. A drop would kill a hundred people or something like that. I, I don't you know. The most would kill an elephant. A drop. You could take that drop, put it into a gallon of water, shake it around, and then take a drop of that water, put it into another gallon of water, and shake that around for a while, and then take a drop of that gallon, put it into another gallon, and shake it, and do it again until you've done it 30 times, and you will not have a molecule left in that final gallon of water. You will not have a molecule left of the, that super potent poison because you will have diluted it so much that it won't be there anymore. But the homeopaths say, ah, but the water remembers. Oh, God. But it forgets all the piss and shit that's been in it. <laughs> it's, uh, it just remembers the... <laughs> it's, just, it's just stupid. It is so stupid. It really is. So, of course, Aaron, you know, is feeling the heat, and he pushes back, but says, oh, I'm being canceled, and it's the woke mob. You know, when I hear certain people, you know, when, when you hear people using the term woke in that sort of like, uh, as a pejorative against people who are, you know, who have empathy and are aware of injustices and want to change things and are compassionate toward other people and when they're 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 referred to as being woke well the person saying it is just an asshole just i'm just an asshole that's that's what they're saying to you oh you're woke aren't you yeah what are you asleep you're asleep aren't you you're an asshole you mean uh it's just and that's aaron Rodgers, uh my brother-in-law who's a fan of the Green Bay Packers, always roots for the Green Bay Packers, is taken to Facebook saying, well, until Aaron Rodgers is no longer a member of that team, I can't root for the Packers anymore. He says, maybe I'll root for the, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and then he said, okay, okay, maybe I'll root for the, because he got some pushback on that. And he said, okay, maybe I'll root for the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Arizona Cardinals. Uh, what about the Minnesota Vikings? Well, they got an anti-vax guy in there too. And that's it. That's just what they are. I, I'm just calling them straight up anti-vaxxers, not vaccine hesitant, not you know, not vaccine reluctant. They're just anti-vaxxers at this point. For goodness sakes, if they're anti-vaxxers at this point. That's it. That's what they are. You're straight up. If you can't figure out a vaccine right now, by now, if you can't figure out that it's been safe and effective, why people still get it? <sighs> it's ugh. So, so Aaron Rodgers, of course, is a Dimland Radio Science Zero. But I do have a Dimland Radio Science Hero, and it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, another sports guy. 
He was a great basketball player. He wrote an opinion piece for, I think it was uh, for some, I, I forget what it's from, some blog site, internet site. He wrote a piece about it. And I'll read to you uh, uh, selections of it, but I'll link to it on the show notes page. You get to read the whole thing. Uh, go to the show notes by getting going to dimland.com and clicking on the show notes slash blog option, and you'll get, you'll get to this week's show notes. Um, but this is part of what uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had to say about Aaron Rodgers. Um, he says, uh, professional athletes have come along... Uh, I'm sorry, let's start this again. I'm a terrible reader, so bear with me. <laughs> i got more reading to do in the last segment of the show. <laughs> <clears throat> professional athletes have come so far from the dark days when the public saw them as perpetually partying adolescents, mean-spirited bullies, and worse, dimwits, one step above tackling dummies on the evolutionary scale. Today, many players are eloquent spokespersons as well as admirable athletes. This hard-fought change occurred gradually over decades as more and more athletes proved themselves to be passionate and articulate advocates for a better, more inclusive society. The latest egregious abuser of, uh, is a Green Bay quarterback, the three-time MVP, Aaron Rodgers, who directly and deliberately lied to fans and the public when he assured everyone he was immunized, knowing that word would be interpreted as his being vaccinated. He wasn't vaccinated, and he got COVID-19. He went maskless during in-person press conferences, which not only violated NFL rules, but put everyone else's health at risk. Instead of consulting immunologists, he consulted anti-vaxxer and podcast host Joe Rogan, who also contracted the virus. If he ever requires open-heart surgery, will he, and by this he means Aaron Rodgers, hand the scalpel to romance writers because they know about matters of the heart? While many who come in, uh, came into contact with him thought he was vaccinated, Rogers had embarked on his own regimen to boost his... N- quote-unquote, natural immunity. He failed, as any scientist could have told him, and as they have been publicly telling us for over a year. University of Michigan microbiologist Ariangela Kosick explained that achieving natural immunity uh, through these homeopathic methods is a non-starter because vaccines inform our immune system that the virus, uh, what the virus looks like, so the body can build its own protection. Excuse me, I need to take a sip. Mmm, <clears throat> <clears throat> good beer. Rogers compounded his lie by adding another lie. While being interviewed about the backlash on the Pat McAfee show, he claimed that a league doctor told him it would be impossible for a vaccinated person to catch or spread COVID. However, the NFL responded by saying no doctor from the league or consultants from the NFL-NFLPA communicated with the players. And if they had, they wouldn't have given such clear misinformation, which anyone who's read a newspaper or watched a legitimate news show would already know. No medical expert claimed the vaccine prevents getting or transmitting the virus. 
only that their chances of spreading it to others or developing severe symptoms themselves are significantly reduced. Roger's ignorance regarding the science of immunology brings back the life brings back to life the old stereotype of the big dumb jock. His utter lack of even the most basic knowledge and logic is shocking. In an effort to defend his lying, he stated, quote, This idea that it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, it's just a total lie. If the vaccine is so great, then how come people are still getting COVID and spreading COVID and unfortunately dying of COVID, unquote. Those two statements don't even belong together. Statistics from many sources conclude that around 97% of those being hospitalized or, or who have died in the past several months are unvaccinated. The CDC found that the unvaccinated are 11 times more likely to die than those vaccinated. If he thinks that's a lie, what credible evidence does he have? None. Rogers complained that the quote-unquote cancel culture was coming for him, but his own words cancel him as a liar and a bad thinker. If he had a principled objection to the vaccine, he could have chosen not to play, like Kyrie Irving, who at least is honest. What really sacked his whining stance was his refusal to wear a mask during interviews to protect others from sickness and death. That was merely his hubris and arrogance against what he called the quote-unquote woke mob. In this case, woke means compassion and responsibility toward others. He might also remember that the only reason he is able to play in front of crowds again is because all those suckers got vaccinated. Now, that's not everything that, uh, that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote, but that's the, some highlights I pulled out of there. Uh, there's, there's more that he says, but he wraps it up with this little bit of, of business here, which I think is interesting, and it's a good point. He says, I can't help but think of Colin Kaepernick. That was the, he, it was, he was a quarterback for uh, the San, uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers. Uh, he was a good quarterback. He was a may have, it may have been an up-and-comer kind of quarterback and might have developed into something really great. But he's decided that you know he was a he was a, a, a person of color, and he he took a knee during the national anthem as a way of trying to draw uh, to, to draw America's attention toward uh, a legal system and a policing system in America that is that is not a fair and balanced and just system that it is that it is uh, set up against people of color in this country and it is and particularly black people. He was trying to point this out peacefully, quietly, not, you know, it just, but, but in a way that it would be seen and noticed. And what did he, what happened to him? He got blacklisted. Boom, you're out of football. All right, so uh, again, uh, 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 Abdul-Jabbar says, uh, I can't help but think of, of Colin Kaepernick, who was blacklisted by the NFL for passively expressing his frustration with systemic racism, a brave act meant to help his community and save lives, while multi-millionaire Rodgers will continue to play despite lying to fans and his teammates and putting innocent lives in, in danger. Time will tell whether Rodgers will be judged by the content of his character or the strength of his throwing arm. And uh, there was one other little point about, uh, which I think is just actually just just brilliant by, by Kareem. Uh, just, it's just brilliant. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a Dimland Radio science hero. 
you know, he, he has it right. He gets it. He has it right. But the, and, and, and there's a point that was made by um, uh, noted skeptic Rebecca Watson. I was just watching a piece where she talked about Aaron Rodgers. And she mentioned something about Rogers talking about, well, the vaccines are so great. How come people are still getting sick? Uh. And she made this point, essentially saying, well, if in, in football, well, if helmets are so great, how come players are still getting concussions? Should you just not wear a helmet? It's just, ugh. This is, this is, this is, the, this is the bullshit that, that we have to put up with. <laughs> um so, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers isn't helping. He's a hell of a quarterback, but he's a dumbass asshole. All right, uh, I'm going to go to my next break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll be back. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease. To wash your hands properly, wet them, apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap, and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the Happy Birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. This ought to be good. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I haven't done a pedantic moment in a while. At least not a an official pedantic moment. Uh, you know, my, my show is filled with pedantry, I know. But, you know, I, I call out special moments as pedantic moments. Uh, I listen to a fair amount of podcasts. And uh, and I, I can't stand when they go to ads. <laughs> I hate the ads. I just hate them. I skip. I scrub right through them. Boom, boom, boom. Just if I if I can. But sometimes I'm a captive audience, and I can't I can't fast forward through them. So I have to listen to them. 
uh, be that if I'm in my car or something like that and I'm playing it, I don't have the option of, of fast-forwarding. If I try to fast-forward, I just skip to the next podcast, so can't do that. And sometimes it's just not, you know, it's just not, I'm not able to do it. So I just, I listen through to the ads. And um, and this isn't the uh, uh, the exact pedantic moment right at the yet, but uh, but I did want to mention something that I have heard in some of the podcasts in the ads that they'll do. They'll have the host of the podcast. Um, they'll do an ad read. No, excuse me. And um, <clears throat> and and they'll say something like uh, that their co-host or their producer or an intern or somebody affiliated with the show. Uh, has the you know sleep number bed, or uses whatever the service, or has the product that they're advertising, and they'll ask them what they think of it. Oh, I love it! It's great. Or or they'll just say, and they just love it. They say they swear by it. It's great. They love it. And I think, well, wait a minute. What about you, the host? Do you have that sleep number bed, or or do you use the Bomba socks, or do you have the uh, the the Hello Fresh thing? It's uh, what what about you? You know, you're indicating to me that you're not using the service or the product. So, uh, if it's not good enough for you, why is it good enough for me? Yeah, you know, that's something you shouldn't do on a podcast. I'm saying in the advertising, you know, nobody would listen to me anyway because nobody listens to me. <laughs> anyway, so so one of the ads for I believe is on the History This Week uh, podcast. And uh, the, the host is a woman named Sally, and I, I'm sorry, I forget her last name, but uh, she'll do the ad read. And she was doing an ad for uh, HelloFresh. And she brings in producer Ben. All right, now Ben says something that sounds, he, he gives a testimony that sounds as though it's scripted. Now, he might have written it himself, but it doesn't, it doesn't come across as being very uh, spontaneous uh, talking. Like he's just, it's just coming out the top of his head and just saying it. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's something that's a prepared type statement that's meant to sound as though it's conversational. Anyway, he tells Sally, he says, uh, <clears throat> he says this, and I quote, I wrote it down. Sally, I'll be honest. I like to cook. Remember, this is for HelloFresh. HelloFresh is, uh, is a service that, in case you don't know, uh, that they send you uh, meals through the, through the mail. You know, you get everything you need that you can cook them at home. You get all the, you know, if, you, if you're getting food for two people, they send you enough food for the two people, and, and you, you, you cook it in your kitchen, you make it all up. They got the great uh, uh, recipe, and everything's, everything's ready. Everything's ready. You just, uh, it's, it's easy to follow instructions to cook, and it's great food, and it's wonderful and terrific, and I'm sure it's very expensive. And so, <clears throat> okay, so this, that's what the service HelloFresh is. So Ben says to Sally, Sally, I'll be honest with you. I like to cook, but when I cook for myself, it's usually pretty basic. Uh, a piece of meat, um, a vegetable. I don't do anything too fancy. Anything with more than a couple of ingredients is, honestly, pretty intimidating. Let me stop you there, Ben. <laughs> anything more than a couple of ingredients is, honestly, pretty intimidating. Really? Well, I got news for you, Ben. You don't like to cook. <laughs> if if you're if, if I like to cook, you know I like to shovel snow. You know, but I'll be honest with you. 
you know, if it's anything more than just a dusting, because I like a dusting that I can take a broom and just sweep it off. It's all fluffy and dry snow that's just easily swept off. And it's just a not, not even a quarter inch of snow. It's not that. But if, let me, if, if something that's maybe an inch or two, it gets pretty intimidating. Well, then I don't like shoveling, do I? <laughs> it's like, you know, you don't like cooking if it's more than a couple of ingredients. Just saying. All right, continuing with this reading heavy show. I wanted to tell you again, I know I've mentioned this book in the past. Uh, it's something that's had uh, a great influence on me in, in, in very early, very early in my life in getting me into thinking uh, about skepticism. Uh, it didn't get me there directly or, or immediately. It was a seed planted that some years later uh, um, began to uh, bloom and I became the skeptical guy that you see now or here now as the case may be. And it wasn't necessarily the book itself, it was a reaction by a teacher to this book. The book is called Strangely Enough. I know I've mentioned it before on the show. And it's a collection of little stories. It's sort of, uh, they're, they're not as, as brief as the Ripley's Believe It or Not type things. With Those are usually just like a paragraph. But the stories are just a few paragraphs about something mysterious, something weird, a weird occurrence, a weird something. Uh, there's ghost stories. There's stories of disappearing people, disappearing ships. Uh, there's hidden treasures. There's um, just, just stories of oddities that are creepy, they're told in such a way that it's uh, that this uh, the author of these stories uh, is C.B. Colby. He, he was a journalist that would collect this kind of stuff, and he published a book, I guess in 1940, called Strangely Enough, which was a big book of all these little stories that I think came from a column he wrote for newspapers. I, I think that's the deal, what, what was going on. And so he put these items in there, and he even says in the in the introduction in this book that I have, strangely enough, that's the name of the book. Um, it's not strange enough that I have it. I just I just I just have it. Uh, he says at the beginning that he doesn't, you know, it, it's he's not concerned about whether or not uh, these stories are absolutely true or not. He says they're just really great little stories. But the book, it's when I got the book back in grade school, uh, the edition I have has the words uh, fact or fiction. Real or imagined? You know, it's, the idea is that these stories are true. And some of the stories will have dates and, 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 and names of towns and people and things like that. So it makes it seem like, well, these might be true. And so when I'm a kid in grade school, I'm just gobbling this shit up. And when I got to you know, junior high or something, I had a, a seventh grade, I think it was, English teacher named Mr. Raymond. And I brought the book to him, and I showed it to him, and I told him about it. I think it's really cool, and I think these stories might be true, and all that kind of stuff. And he looked through it, and then he, he gave me the book back, and he gave me a little assessment about it. And he said, well, the thing about these kinds of stories is that the author knows that the reader isn't likely to check into the veracity of these stories. They're not, they're not going to be doing the research to find out whether or not these stories are true. And so he, he said, essentially told me, you need to be skeptical. You need to think critically of these. 
throwing in days and dates and stuff like that just makes it seem like it's it just gives it a, a, a veneer of that it, that it's true, but it may not necessarily be true. You should be skeptical. These weren't exactly the words he used with me, but that was the that was the gist of what he was giving me, and that was just that that, that planting the seed to be skeptical about this stuff, and that came to fruition later in life. Um, and I talked about a story that was in this book about footprints that were found in the snow through several towns and, and counties in England back in 1850-something. And they just ran in a straight line, showed up overnight, and they, they looked like they were melted into the snow or branded in the snow. And they looked like they were hoof prints, and they were called the devil's footprints, and they were unwavering straight line. They never changed its their, their pace or whatever. And, and that story just captivated me. And years later, I picked up a Reader's Digest a book called uh, Mysteries of the Unexplained. And that story was in that book, too. And I thought, oh, look at this. It's confirmation. Well, no, it's just two different sources that have the story. But where did this story come from? Uh, Brian Dunning did a, a skeptoid on it. And it turns out it's probably not anything any special. I'll try to remember to link to the, the skeptoid episode, or at least a transcript of it. I thought what I'd do is I take uh, if I have time uh, I'll do the I'll do at least one story in here and and uh, and let you know uh, that I I looked into it to see uh, what I could find out about it. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Now I'm going to read it. It's only a few paragraphs, and uh, uh, it's called Lost. TV signal, uh, and it's and it has I guess CB Colby has this this uh, uh, conversational style of of telling his stories. He'll ask questions of the reader and that kind of thing. He has a there's a way to how he does things, and he injects a little humor into it as well. You'll see it with this story. Did you ever wonder what becomes of old radio and TV programs that are sent out into space 24 hours a day? Do they just fade out and vanish, or do they keep traveling through space forever, perhaps to be picked up by creatures on other planets? Possibly some of the weird sounds that we hear are really programs, or commercials, from other planets. It's true that science, scientific listening posts have put on tape some mighty odd sounds from space which might be from some sort of intelligence somewhere. Some make no sense at all. Perhaps those are the commercials. In the early days of television, some sets retained a picture long after the program was over. Even today, words from a commercial linger after the advertisement has left the screen. And occasionally, another channel's picture will appear for a few seconds. But what about pictures that mysteriously appear long after the program has finished? In September 1953, many television screens in England suddenly carried the identification card and call letters of TV station KLEE in Houston, Texas, thousands of miles across the Atlantic. The image stayed on the screen long enough for several viewers to take pictures of the remarkable occurrence. TV usually fades out after about 150 miles unless helped along with electronic devices and relay stations. In 1953, this was not possible. 
even today, transatlantic programming is just beginning. You can tell this was written a long time ago. What really startled the TV world was the fact that when the British broadcasting engineers contacted KLEE in Houston to tell them of the unusual event, they learned that the station had been off the air for three years. Since that time, no KLEE identification card had been shown. Where had the picture been for three years? Why did it only appear in England? And how did it get back from wherever it had been? Ooh, creepy. Now, I said this book was, uh, the Strangely Enough book was originally published in 1940. Well, obviously, that it must have been an early version of this because this story takes place, obviously, after 1953. <clears throat> so, anyway. Well, I decided to look in, into see see what I could find out about that about that story. And I found something <clears throat> on Snopes.com. Yes, I know that you know most people that don't want their stories to be debunked or to be explained, that they want their mysteries to stay mysteries, they don't like Snopes.com. They dismiss Snopes.com. And Snopes has had uh, some issues recently with some plagiarism. Um, namely, the fellow uh, David Mickelson, uh, was accused of, uh, of not crediting uh, when he would cut and paste from somebody else's article, didn't make sure that people knew that the cut and paste was coming from some other article. It made it, passed it off. The accusation is that he passed it off as though he had written it. It might have been an oversight. Don't know. But I still think Snopes is a very good source for finding out information on this kind of stupid shit. Okay. So, in the Snopes article, which I will link to on the show notes page, uh, they put a little sample of the story. Now, they say the story comes from the Reader's Digest. Uh, and, and that may be very well possible, but the exact wor the, the wording, the clip, the, or the, 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 the segment of the story that they put into the Snopes story is exactly the wording from this that I just read to you of C.B. Colby's Strangely enough. So, okay, so we got this lost TV signal. What's, what's the dilly with that? Okay, this is what I, it comes from Snopes. The saga began when station KPRC in T... Uh, I'm sorry, start this again. <clears throat> sorry, I don't know. I don't know how people read professionally for a living. I don't know how they do it. The saga began when station KPRC-TV in Houston received a letter from England addressed to the president of KLEE. It read, Enclosed within... Uh, enclosed herewith... Let's see. Seems like a weird... Is that trying to sound English? <laughs> I guess. Enclosed within... I'm sorry. I'm still not getting it right. Enclosed herewith is a photograph taken by an ordinary box camera of what I believe is your test signal received 3.50 p.m. 14 September 1953. It would be of great interest and help 
if you could be so kind as to confirm or deny by return mail that this is so, and at the same time it would be of great help if you would endorse the back of the photograph and return. Your help in this matter would be much appreciated. Appreciated. <clears throat> KPRC's chief engineer was baffled. How a TV signal originating in Houston could have been received all the way in England was puzzling enough, but an even bigger mystery was how anyone could have seen the identification card in the photograph. KLEE had been bought by the Houston Post and renamed KPRC in mid-1950. Its original call sign had not been used since then. KPRC initially perused the possibility, or I'm sorry, pursued the possibility that what English viewers had seen was actually an advertisement for Kleenex brand fa facial tissues, but this theory faded, uh, failed to pan out. The BBC looked into the matter, but was unable to definitively confirm or disprove it. Why the fundamental incompatibility between American TV signals and British television sets didn't immediately indicate to the investigators that the whole thing was a hoax remains puzzling. When engineers from the Chrysler Corporation in America investigated and declared the picture to be valid, the tale entered the world of, reader, of Reader's Digest lore, and strangely enough lore, and became forever embedded in the minds of millions of readers as a verified true story. Although the folks at KPRC could not have known at the time, several clues pointed to the whole affairs being a hoax. What KPRC had received was in fact a form letter. Many other American stations had received similar letters with photographs reporting sightings of their own identification cards as well. KPRC was the only station whose call letters had changed in the previous few years. However, providing a hint that, that whoever was sending the letters was working with slightly out-of-date information. The letters were also suspect because they never included anything but photographs of station call signs. They, they showed no pictures taken from broadcast programs or commercials. Finally, many of the pictures were similar but not quite identical to the station's identification cards. In some cases, subtle differences were evident that couldn't be completely explained by poor reception or bad photography. The reply to KPRC's correspondence with the English observer who had sent them the photograph of their call sign eventually revealed the workings of the hoax. The letter was answered by a business partner of the observer who disclosed that they were engaged in an enterprise to build highly sensitive super heterodyne television sets capable of receiving signals over great distances all without the need of antennae. The hoaxers TV sets did no such thing of course but they weren't going to let such petty details dissuade them from fooling others into believing it. So the lost TV signal was just a hoax ginned up by someone for whatever reason trying to promote building this TV set. Maybe they were looking for funds. I don't know. But they were just sending out pictures of call letters of various American television stations apparently and just hoping to get some kind of reaction. But the fact that KLEE -E had changed 
in that time that you know, so the between making getting that identification card and sending it to the station it, it had changed and it was what helped to realize this whole thing was just a hoax so little fun little bit of reading <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's uh the strangely enough book boy i wish you could find it to get it because it's a lot of fun there's a lot of neat little stories in it uh, they're all a bit creepy, and there's neat, there's really good uh, uh, spot illustrations. Very simply done, black and white. You know, just with uh, somebody who's really proficient with a brush, an ink brush. Oh, it's just really nicely done illustrations. I think they're great. Uh, anyway, uh, it's just uh, maybe I'll do more uh, looking into these little stories that creeped me out when I was a kid. But maybe now that we've got internet, we can find out whether or not they're true. Good night. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, that's the end of another show. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, wash your hands and be careful out there. It's distance where you need to. Wear a mask where you're required. Get the vaccine if you can get it. Get the booster if you can get it. And if you've been vaccinated, thank you. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going well, to hell. hell.